This is Corolla Digital. Hi, everybody. This is Pat O'Brien. Either your grandfather, your father, or you grew up with me doing sports for the last 30 years. Plus, all the entertainment and pop culture things that I did. All those red carpets for you out there. Now, we're putting all that in a podcast. The Pat O'Brien Show. Go to iTunes and find it. Go to thepatobrianshow.com. We're here. We work for you on The Pat O'Brien Show. Thanks. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves lots of food at home. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And it's a beautiful day here in Southern California. It's gorgeous. It was gray and rainy and foggy in the morning, but it cleared up and got gorgeous, which makes me a hero with my kids Because I could say, as I made them another perfect breakfast, I can say, you know, it's a little gray and a little chilly, but I'll bet you it clears right up this afternoon. Not something you can really, well, not something you can get called on a lot in Southern California. It did. It is. It's beautiful. And you know what, though? The truth is, maybe I'm even happier because I hear that wonderful music every week that I love so much. The Doug Schnackel Orchestra and the Jenny Alexander Dancers featuring boy tenor Stephen E. Yates asking the musical question, what the heck is Tom Mix doing up on that mountain anyway? Well, Colonel Jeff and I thought that was a terrific question and even more so because Stephen E. Yates wrote a beautiful letter. In case anyone wants to know, gee, are we teaching kids anything today, these days? What do we need to teach better in school? And, you know, this this letter really makes you, you want to say, you want to take a gold star and put it on it and then send it back and say, that is a terrific letter for Stephen E. Yates. He wrote everything. He wrote not only nice things about well, me and our show here. And uh, he wanted to send a copy of his new book, which he did, called Getting My First Hug. And it is, as he wrote in his letter, he said, I am not writing to ask you to promote the book, although if you wanted to, I would be delighted. Well, I want to, and I want you to be delighted. And uh, he says some awfully nice things about, well... (coughs) Well, us and the uh, the show and what we're trying to do and, well, the the, the things that appeal to us, it, it's frankly wonderful. Getting My First Hug is a father's story of his son's triumph over autism. And he writes it. He has a daughter, too, and what he told his daughter and what he and his wife do. And uh, he wrote, by the way, something so nice, and his P.S., says, here's a musical question. What the heck is Tom Mix doing up on that mountain anyway? So there are so many reasons to want 
to make Stephen E. Yates the boy tenor anyway. So that's what we did. And Stephen, first of all, we were so intrigued and touched by everything you wrote, by the fact that you uh, sent your book. I'll tell you what, pal, it meant the world so much so that I said to Colonel Jeff, why don't we look up Tom Mix right now on Google and find out why indeed he was up on that mountain in the first place. And no one knew, but here's something interesting. Just from putting that line up there, who's on the mountain, Tom Mix, by putting it in quotes, because as the colonel pointed out, that's how they take you to the specific reference. If you don't put it in quotes, they may send you anywhere else, any of the words in it implies to them. But we didn't. They took us right to the heart of the matter. Who says that? Where did it come from? What does it mean? Folks, there was only one setting there. There was only one list. There was only one point in the entire... Nothing else. No one else except... Drum roll, please. Our show this week with Larry Miller. That's right. Our show, Colonel Jeff's show, Dr. Chris's show, and my show, and the show you're listening to. And they they said, that's what Larry Miller says every week. Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? And at first, you know, the colonel and I looked at each other and said, well, that doesn't really tell us anything about what we wanted to know. But sure feels nice. I mean, that they're going to pick something. They're going to pick someone. Well, it's nice they picked us and me. So we tried, but it was pretty neat, Stephen, that it came up us. It didn't come up Snake Eyes. It didn't come up anything bad. It came up, well, there's only one only one group that actually says this, and it's This Week with Larry Miller. So in any case, what the heck is Tom Mix doing up on that mountain anyway, asks Stephen E. Yates. Pal, I'll bet you a dollar he was up on that mountain greeting a new day, watching the sun come up, and being happy to be alive again, and saying, if nobody else remembers that I was up on this mountain, I just hope to God it's Larry Miller and his show. Now, admittedly, that was decades before I was born, but I think he would do something like that. In any case, Stephen, it's a beautiful letter. We're going to keep it in our library here, and we're going to keep your book. I'm taking your book home to read And then I'm going to pass it to the colonel and the doctor to read. And we're going to keep that book also on display in our library here. So thank you, pal. What the heck is Tom Mix doing up on that mountain anyway? Being as happy in life as you are. And folks, I can believe me, I can say I I hope you have the same pleasure in your life that Stephen E. Yates has. The pleasure and the commitment. And by DollarShaveClub.com. That's right, DollarShaveClub.com. They're our favorite new advertiser here, and not just because they're paying us. Well, it is just because they're paying us, come to think of it. That's that's a pretty good reason, though, don't you think? And uh, they ask, but they ask a question that grabs you right off the bat, and 
I'm awfully glad they're here. Their question is, why are razors so expensive? That is something a man asks himself every day, and every time he walks through a drugstore, why are those razors so expensive? Folks, dollarshaveclub.com sends amazing quality razors and other cool bathroom stuff right to your door for a couple of bucks a month. That's it. That's all. It really couldn't it, it couldn't be any easier. And you know what? I think dollarshaveclub.com blades are actually better. And signing up couldn't be easier. It couldn't. You just go to dollarshaveclub.com and pick a razor plan. They have they have 3 plans to choose from. Then every month, like clockwork, you get a package in the mail with Dollar Shave Club blades. And they've got other great stuff like Dr. Carver's Easy Shave Butter. Not a favorite name of mine, but I think it I think it works anyway. I bet that product is great. And One Wipe Charlie's, the peppermint infused butt wipes for men. I've decided there's nothing to say about that, so I will say nothing. That is their product, and I have read it, and you should get it. Thanks to DollarShaveClub.com, you'll never forget to buy blades. That's the great part. You'll never get nicked up from squeezing one too many shaves out of that last expensive blade in your pack, and that happens. Folks, I'm telling you, look, it so happens I'm in show business, and there are times, more than a couple of times, when I've been work in a movie where I've come in that day and it's and it's done locally and the the makeup artist has said to me what are you doing to your face and i always say the truth well i just shaved this morning and she said stop trying to squeeze one more shave out of whatever razor you're using because you're nicking your face to pieces and i said yeah i, I probably should and she said i'll never forget one of them said probably should you realize your face is going to be 90 feet wide on a screen seen by millions of people. And, well, as as pleasant as that sounded, I saw her point and got to it, really. I needed to find a better way to buy blades. So say no to the big shave companies, millionaire, athletes, and, and ridiculous prices. Join me, the folks at This Week with Larry Miller and the hundreds of thousands of guys who've upgraded... To the smarter way to shave, visit dollarshaveclub.com slash Larry today. Shave time, shave money. That's their big slogan. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash Larry. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Larry. And folks, they are signing me and the guys on the show up here for their club, their monthly club where you get all sorts of things. They're going to send me razors, they're going to send me blades, and I'm going to use them. And I, well, with the colonel and the doctor's help, will have a before and after shot. You know how baseball players always look that they haven't shaved in five, six days when you see them in the game? And then you realize, well, I guess they shave right after the game in the locker room there. And then they go out and, well, it's better not to talk about that. But the point is, we're going to do that here. I'm going to do that here. And that'll show you. I'll tell you everything about it. That'll show you how happy I am to be with DollarShaveClub.com. So thanks very much. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show 
every week the joke of the week. I love jokes, and it's not just because I'm a comic. You love jokes, no matter what you do for a living. Everyone loves jokes. All God's children love jokes. And so you know what? We went to one of our favorite sites here. Jeff opened up the ahajokes.com, and the name of this one is The Little Girl Wants to Go. And here we go. A little nine-year-old girl was in church with her mother when she started feeling ill. Mommy, she said, can we leave now? No, her mother replied. Well, I think I have to throw up. Then go out the front door and around to the back of the church and throw up behind a bush. In about two minutes, the little girl returned to her seat. Did you throw up? her mother asked. Yes, the little girl replied. Well, wait a minute. How could you have gone all the way to the back of the church and returned so quickly? I didn't have to go out of the church, Mommy, the little girl replied. They have a box next to the front door that says, For the Sick. And I and the colonel thought that was a pretty good joke. And uh, I thought something was coming like that. I thought it was going to be maybe you know, a big fountain of holy water or something like that. And she just said, no, I just saw this. And can you only imagine, folks, God only knows, so to speak, what over the last just hundred years people have done in those boxes and in those fountains. Not to be bad people, not because they're playing a prank, but because, well, they were sick. And then the other other thing I love about this joke is the way jokes are written— now, I, I I don't know if you caught it, but when the little girl says, uh, Mommy, I'm, uh, you know, she says, I think I may have to throw up. I, I, I feel sick. Can we, can we go now? Now, what would you as a parent say? I know what I would say instantly, which is, Oh, good Lord, yeah, come on, let's go out here. Let me get you to the bathroom here. What kind of sick is it? As you walk the little girl out the door, out of the church, you've got to say, Well, how do you feel? Well, maybe throw up. You know, would you like to go? I'll walk you out back and see how you feel next to one of the bushes there, or we'll go into the bathroom here. But instead, this mother she says, "Mommy, I'm. I think I. I think I'm sick. I think I. I may. I think I may have to throw up. Can we leave now?" And the mother's answer is, "No." And I. I, I really don't get. I understand how you write jokes. I understand how it moves the joke along. The whole point of the joke is to get the little girl out of the church, and back to throw up behind the bush. But I just love that. So what's, well, what, I think, what, what do I do then? And the mother says, go out the front door, round to the back of the church, throw up behind a bush. Now, again, this parent, why? Is she reading something, one of the passages, a hymn, something in the Bible? Is she reading something that she just can't take her daughter out back to throw up? Is Is something more than that? Because... I may not know everything there is to know about eternity and judgment, and and but I, I have a feeling, and maybe you have the feeling too, I have the feeling this woman, this mother is going to have a very interesting chat with God when she gets there. Anything wrong, anything I did wrong that you want to bring up? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Here's one in particular. Every single thing you ever said to your daughter, you were just horrible. And you thought you were talking to me? Guess what? You weren't. I heard you. I didn't want to hear you. 
and you were picked up on someone else's frequency, and you don't want to know who. I think, uh, however, all that said, it makes a pretty good joke, and I hope you like it too, and I hope you tell it to friends. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, which is the Poetry Corner. That's right, yes, the Poetry Corner, yes, the corner of poetry here on This Week with Larry Miller. And it's something I've always loved doing. I, I, I love to mention this, too. I always thought one day if I have a show that's either heard and seen by everyone in the world, what would I do? And I always knew somehow it will involve a commitment to poetry to the nice, to the lovely, to the really meaningful way a great writer, a great poet puts things in in his life. And you know what? This one is written by the great Robert Burns. And he was from Scotland, lived one of those very short artists' life lives. But <clears throat> but uh, Robert Burns, I'll tell you, a great thinker, a great poet, and someone who was wonderful at knowing how to put certain things. He was known as the plowman's poet in a way because he put things in a simple way but a very very meaningful way. And this one is called A Fond Kiss. A fond kiss and then we sever. A farewell and then forever. Deep in heart-wrung tears I'll pledge thee Warring sighs and groans, I'll wage thee. Who shall say that fortune grieves him, While the star of hope she leaves him? Me? Nay, cheerful twinkle lights me. Dark despair around benights me. I'll never blame my partial fancy. Nothing could resist my Nancy. But to see her was to love her. Love but her and love forever. Had we never loved, say, kindly? Had we never loved, say, blindly? Never met or never parted? We had never been broken-hearted. Fare thee well, thou first and fairest. Fare thee well, thou best and dearest. Thine be like a joy and treasure. Peace, enjoyment, love. And pleasure, a fond kiss, and then we sever. A farewell, alas, forever. Deep in heart-wrung tears, I'll pledge thee. Warring sighs and groans, I'll wage thee. Isn't that nice? That fella from 18th century Scotland, from farmland and from... Uh, well, growing up kind of poor, and yet what a wonderful writer he was destined to be. And I'm glad you guys heard that. And this, by the way, is sponsored by our Poetry Corner, is sponsored by Sherry's Berries. That's right. Valentine's Day is coming up and coming up fast. And the question is, what's... The worst Valentine's Day gift you ever you were ever given or received? 
You remember how much yeah, it got you in the doghouse, how much trouble it got you, trying you go late, you got to pull over, get the kids from school in the back, and they, they want to go home. They, they don't care about Valentine's Day. They're hungry, and how hard it was to make them understand that. And you, yeah, all right, I'll get you something too. I'll get you some baseball cards. It doesn't matter. Just to get in a store somewhere to get your wife something at the last minute, don't make that mistake again. Order Sherry's Berries now for guaranteed gift satisfaction. And here's the offer. Giant, and they are giant, believe me, delicious, freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries starting at ninety-nine. $19.99. That's over 40% savings or double the berries for just $10 more. I've always loved saying that in an ad, by the way. Oh, wait, we're not done yet. I'm not leaving here. Double the berries for just $10 more. You just need my code, Larry Miller, when you order. So remember, they're dipped in white milk and dark chocolatey goodness topped with chocolate chips, decorative swizzle, or nuts, and 40% off from Sherry's Berry. Enormous, romantic, fresh, juicy, mouth-watering. That's not me. That's the berries. I'm going to say that again, though. Enormous, romantic, fresh, juicy, mouth-watering, because it's true. Here at, oh, here at the studio, they always send some berries every year for Valentine's Day. And I'm here to tell you, they don't last long. They don't, they don't last any longer than they would have in, in a Klingon warship. And I think they would have liked strawberries, too, by the way. But here's the only way to get this amazing Valentine's Day deal. Giant, freshly dipped strawberries, that's right. Starting at $19.99, what you do is you visit berries.com. That's B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. Click on the microphone in the top right corner and type in Larry Miller. Go to berries.com. Click on the microphone and type in Larry Miller. Order today. And when you do, think about reading your wife or girlfriend a beautiful Robert Burns poem. I think it's lovely. A fond kiss. Okay. And now my, well, it's not my third favorite. There's no real order to this, but I like saying first, second, and third. Right now we go to another, just a, a really enjoyable part of the show, the magic movie moment. That's right, the magic movie moment. There's a movie you've seen... One, ten, twenty times, or one you've never seen before. But if you've seen it a lot, there's a part of it that's a little magical, that's more than the plot, more than the acting, more than the writing. It makes you pleased and happy to see it. It touches you when you see it. It could be just a ten-second part of the scene. It could be more an entire scene. It could be a run that goes through with a relationship between two of the actors in it. And there's something, though, that makes that movie, because of that moment you see again, because of that moment you look forward to, because of everything that makes a movie great, and then that goes one step farther and makes it even greater, which is a magic movie moment. And it's something I saw this past weekend, a movie called Dodsworth, D-O-D-S-W-O-R-T-H. Maybe this has eluded some of you old movie fans or, or young movie fans, and yet it's just wonderful. Good Lord, it's, it's, it's directed by the great William Wyler, and 
This is a fellow, by the way, who directed so much greatness, Wuthering Heights, A Lion in Winter, The Best Year of Our Lives, so many more. And this guy knows how to tell a story really well. And, oh, Lord, the the cast is, is so meaningful. Walter Houston, father of John Houston, and it's the the cast. Though, by the way, the book was written by the great Sinclair Lewis, and this is something that's so meaningful because it's about Ruth Chatterton, who plays his wife in this, is someone who doesn't love him as much as he needs to be loved. You know this, and I know this, and he, and the the author knows this, but the star of the movie. This good man doesn't know it. And as an audience member, you almost want to say, leave her. He's toying with it. He's thinking about it. He doesn't want to be with her. And she's very, well, she's very selfish. She's very vain. And she forces him to to retire to Europe with her. He's wealthy, and he had a huge part of a car company. She forces him, no, you'll sell that, and we'll move to Europe. Meanwhile, he has a family, has a daughter of his who's pregnant and is going to give birth and everything he does you want to say no don't do that don't listen to her stay where you belong with the things you love and even when she's going out she starts going out and i mean going out she starts dating well this the count this the baron and all these folks and they come over and they don't understand why she's still with the, with him they keep saying to her if you can just dump him I'll marry you. You can live in Europe with me. We'll always go waltzing. And she she wants to. She just doesn't. She herself doesn't know how to do anything. And it begins to, she begins to say, all right, finally I'm going to leave Walter Houston. She says to her husband, I'm leaving you. I'm dumping you. That's it. We're getting divorced. And I'm going to marry this other guy. Again, the count, the baron, whatever he is. I'm going to marry him. And it turns out at the end, she can't marry him because his mother objects to the whole thing. And she just runs right back to Walter Houston and says, all right, plans have changed. I'm not getting divorced now. Let's just go back together. And he buys it again, folks. You really must see this movie. And you're sad and I'm sad. You're saying, can't he just do what's right? And, well, get rid of this woman and finally get together with the woman he really loves, played by Mary Astor, by the way. And he doesn't. He and his wife, the still wife, they haven't gotten divorced, get back on the ship. But as he looks at there's a great scene I won't tell you about, but he realizes finally, and you say, thank God, he realizes this is not the way to go. And he gets up out of their big suite on the ocean liner, They haven't left the port yet, and he walks out, leaves the ship at the last minute just before it leaves, and he goes to meet Mary Astor again, and they're going to be together. But the point uh, is of telling this story, of talking about this great movie, Dodsworth, with great actors, a great director, so many wonderful people, oh, great producers, people who really know how to make movies. The point is, from the book to the script, to the movie, to everything Dodsworth became. It gives us a magic movie moment. 
that he finally, within the story, the climax of the story, he finally sees what's right. And he finally does what's right. And it's right for himself as a character, for the other family he has, for his daughter and her husband and their new baby. Everything can finally be right, and right for him with love. And you know what? That's a very magical movie moment. And if you see that movie, first of all, you'll love the whole movie because it's told, William Wyler knows how to tell a story, and it's told in a way you don't see anymore. If you see it on TV, on a stage, anywhere, an old station, a new station, and it says Dodsworth. And folks, do yourself a favor and take this chance, and because it's not a chance. You'll be very happy you did. So, uh, and, by the way, one of the great actors in this is the wonderful Maria Uspinskaya. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, it's uh, O-U-S-P-E-N-K-A-Y-A, Maria Uspinskaya. And she was a great actress who played. She was terrific in playing. I always loved, they made her, say, the gypsy fortune teller in the carnival. And this, you know, the three young aristocratic men in their fancy hats with their mustaches come by and go, well, tell us, old woman, what do the cards say? <laughs> and we really don't like them. And you and I see what she sees. She picks up a card and just looks at it, and we see, oh, it's the ace of spades, or a guy getting hung, or something. It's really no good. And then she just looks at it and, and angles her eyes back up to them and says, nothing. Nothing is at all. She's a great actress in good or, or, or evil roles, and she was in this, but I'm mentioning her because she was very well known for playing in the Frankenstein movies, and even she could have a heart. Even the characters she played had hearts. She said something that was became a very famous line for her, and it was in one of the... As Frankenstein... No, I think it was the Wolfman who dies, he's dying on the ground there in the forest, and he's dying, and she's she's known him and wants him to be better, but she knows he's dying, and she leans over him and says, The way you walked was thorny, though no fault of your own, but as the rain enters the soil, the river enters the sea. So tears run to a predestined end. Now you will have peace for eternity. And, well, I think that's not only great writing, but comes from the mouth of a, of a great actress. So that's what it means to me to say, you know what, folks? That'll be a good magic movie moment for you, too. And, you know, I had a weekend of frankly, of magic movie moments. The kind of movies where it's your life, it's the lives of you and your family. You are the ma you make the magic movie moments. I'll tell you what I mean. That uh, one of my kids uh, just turned 18. He's a senior in high school. This is the one that's joining the, Mar the Marines and going into uh, service there starting in the summer. And, you know, he... Look, God bless them. They're healthy kids, both of them. They're great athletes. And he, you know, he has a girlfriend now in high school, and he's he's 
He's a very sweet kid, but the point is he st- he got out. Re- he stayed at a friend's house till about oh late. It was they didn't go to sleep till three or four in the morning. Well, that's what do you expect? They're seniors in high school, I guess. And uh, then he got back to the house, and well, it was about eight thirty or nine in the morning, and he said. Gee, I don't want to go. He had a baseball lesson. He said, I want to go. I feel tired. And I said, that's fine. So he uh, he hung around just a tiny bit. And here's what I was getting at. This big, tough galoot, who's a very sweet kid, was uh, he got into his bed a little later, a couple hours later, and he turned on the computer, the laptop, the iPad. I don't know what it is. And he turned that on, though, to watch Joe Kidd. It's a terrific movie. It's a Clint Eastwood movie. It's from 1972. What a good cast this thing has in it. Robert Duvall, John Saxon, so many good actors and actresses. And, boy, it's told so well. And it's told in a very meaningful way. And there's there's a lot of, you know, gunplay in it. And a a lot of folks really have to meet themselves. And some get killed and some don't. But Clint Eastwood is a very, very moral and heroic character. And what I'm getting at is he, my kid, wanted to get into his bed there with some food. He was hungry. And he was 18-year-old, boy, going to be Marine hungry. If there's nothing you know about 18-year-old boys or 14 to 18 to 21-year-old boys anywhere in that area, they can eat a lot. And I'm not talking about getting fat. I'm talking about it it just goes away. It's sort of like a smoke ring. It just vanishes. He made uh, some macaroni and cheese, Kraft macaroni and cheese in the box, and he made the whole thing and put it in a bowl, the whole box in a bowl. And he took that into his room with a brand-new packet of Hebrew National Salami. That's eight big, thick slices of salami, and it's pretty good. And he took those two things into his bedroom, and I walked in there, well, just about 20 minutes later, just to see if everything was all right. And the bowl of macaroni was empty, and I picked that up with the spoon in it, and the wrapper of the bologna was empty, and I picked that up, and I put that on top of the bowl, and he was watching Joe Kidd, and I could see... Just he was in the bed, the screen was on his chest, the screen's only a foot from his face, and it's the middle of a gunfight scene. And it's a big gunfight scene. I couldn't see it, I didn't want to bend around there, I couldn't watch it, but I know that, and you know too, that one of those scenes is about 45 seconds. That's a long time, and that's a lot of gunplay. That's bang, bang, back and forth, bang, 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 and it's really loud, and he is out cold sleeping. And that made me smile so much. I looked at him. He was, well, he was, you might say, out to lunch. He had just had a ton of this food. He needed a good nap. He had a date that night with his girlfriend. And before that, my wife was making sort of a fancy home-cooked prime rib dinner. Well, not so fancy. The best kind of dinner where... You sit down at the kitchen counter with the kids and with you, and you know what? I always say what my my dad, God bless him, always used to say when my mom would make something like that, 
He would always look around and say, uh, you know something? You couldn't get a meal like this in a hotel. I, I've mentioned that before on this show, but to him and to people from that generation, that that was like the highest thing you could do. To think of, have you ever been to a hotel? To them, that was the highest courtly thing they could think of. It was, it was like saying, you want to live in a castle for a couple of years. So when my dad said, you couldn't get a meal like this at a hotel, he meant it as the highest compliment to my mom. And folks, that's what that meal was like, which was only two hours after this kid of mine well, plowed through the other food. But it didn't matter to him. He wasn't stuffing his face. He wasn't stuffing it in to make my wife happy. He loved, she made a prime rib that was terrific. And with green beans and, and a salad and some potatoes. And you know what, folks? He had a, a terrific dinner, which was early again. He had it about 5, 5.30 because he had a date that night. So he was all set. He shaved and showered and got dressed in, well, fancy 18-year-old clothes, which is well, just kind of Brooks Brothers khakis sort of button-down shirt, nice clothes, and he went out on his date. And I guess I'm telling you this because it was so meaningful to know what's important in life. That question is asked in a lot of novels. It's asked in a lot of movies and a lot of plays. And there's some very creative answers. And, oh, what's bad in life? Oh, what's good in life? But, folks, I'm here to tell you that what's good in life is seeing your son, one of the kids, really, well, be overnight with a friend of his, and he doesn't get so much sleep, and he comes back, and he's a little punchy, he's a little tired, and seeing him in his own bed with those wrappers and bowls of food around him, because it's already been consumed, and Joe Kidd just blasting away with guns a foot from his face, and he is out cold sleeping away. And I thought, that is good in life. So if I'm ever cast in another Schwarzenegger Conan movie, and they do that scene again where they go around to the captured people, to the slaves, and say, what is good in life? What is good in life? That's what I will say is good in life. And uh, that my son was asleep in his bed after a good pile of good food. And when he woke up, he'd be ready for another good pile. And thank God, whatever the problems are we all have in our lives, folks, if you have enough to get food like that and give it to the people you love, whew, that's pretty good. You know that, and I know that, and we both know Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. And as always, remember, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who loves you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And you know it, and I know it. We'll see you here next time. Join us on This Week with Larry Miller. 